morning, everyone. This morning's, this morning's reading is from John 17, chapters 22 to 26. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you. Thanks, Bev. Are we expecting this morning? Yes, expecting to hear a word in season this morning? Thank you, Pastor Chloe. Thank you, Bev. Lovely reading. We've been doing a series on discipleship the whole year, really. And uh, we, we talked a bit about uh, what it meant to be a disciple. We've done a series on how to know and how to find the will of God. A couple of bits and pieces. We're ending the year of a series on love and the love of God and walking in love. And, uh, you know, dovetailing that with the Wednesday night Bible study on these signs shall follow those who believe. If you've got your Bibles, you can just uh, uh, mark these uh, in advance if you like so john chapter 17 depends how many of these little tags you've got so if you've got 10 we might do 10 scriptures so john chapter 17 you can flip to there you can flip to hebrews uh, 8 and 1 corinthians 13 just in advance we'll touch on those and uh, you didn't have a joke today chloe is there a reason for that <laughs> okay I, I did give you one. You didn't like that one. No. Why? Why did the Why did the fungus get a bigger house? Because there wasn't mushroom. <laughs> See? <laughs> or was that a mercy laugh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was a cry. It was a groan. In John chapter 17, uh, we have uh, what is often called the priestly or the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It is actually the end, uh, pretty much the end of his teaching ministry on earth. And um, he did do other teaching after his resurrection, which we have uh, some knowledge of. But this was uh, pretty much the end of his teaching ministry in his high priestly role. I do find it interesting, interesting as uh, ministries mature and uh, really reach perfection or maturity or the culmination, how often of them... Uh, focus on love and we have uh, not that he is anywhere near uh, the end of his ministry by the grace of God he is in his 80s I believe we've got Reverend Cole Stringer coming in a few weeks and the real apostle of faith uh, in Australia and, and of the grace faith movement and uh, I've noticed his latest book is uh, John from the sons of, son of thunder to the apostle of love they do say that John, uh, who was called Apostle of Thunder in his early years, in his later years, he had one sermon that was on love. 
That's all he would preach on love. And I've often thought, well, he wouldn't get really invited to the Holy Spirit rallies or the faith rallies or the healing rallies because he'd get up there and he'd preach on love. And I know too in, in ministries that we trained on under in their later years, they really just reverted to teaching a lot on love. So in these last few chapters of Jesus' life from John chapter 14 to John chapter 17, he focuses on two main things. He focuses on the Holy Spirit and really he's introducing the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And the second one is love. God's love for them, their love for each other and walking in love. And uh, love is really the sign of the mature or perfected Christian. And when we say perfected, we don't mean uh, perfect. There has been times when I thought I was perfect and then something would come along and slap me in the face and my head would be where my backside was. It actually means mature. It means fully developed. In, in New Testament times, the idea of someone who's mature or who was perfect uh, was really someone who had reached the culmination where they really don't change anymore. They've become what they were called to be. That's why, for example, uh, children had very little value historically in those times because they weren't seen as mature or perfect. That is one way, one reason why, sorry to say, ladies were often not considered as uh, perfect as men. I know that's a shock. Be <laughs> because uh, their body changed uh, every month. And so this concept of, of getting mature or perfect is to be where you have, God has destined you to be. And it's interesting that Jesus said the signs that they will know, if they will know you are my disciples by the great miracles that follow you. Or they'll know you're my disciples by the huge mansions that you live in. No, he said they will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. And this is a, an amazing and a beautiful prayer and, and we really need to, in our own time, dwell on it but, uh, and meditate on it. But there's an amazing verse. I just want to zoom in on for a second. It says, verse 25, it says, O, o righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I've known you, and those have known that you sent me. I have made your name known to them I have made your name known to them, and I will make it known. So Jesus was revealing who God is, uh, his characteristics, his nature, his person to them, so that love, the reason Jesus revealed who God is, was so that the love which God loved Jesus for eternity would dwell in us. Selah. We could probably just read that over and over a dozen times and go home and be more blessed even. That's an awesome statement. I've made you known to them so that your love will dwell in them. So the object, his very last sentence really of his teaching ministry, because the disciples were hearing this and his prayer life for his disciples was 
that they may know you, Father, so that your love will dwell in the same love that you love me may dwell in him. Evidently, it's an important topic. I'm yet to see many love conferences. And I really feel impressed that perhaps one day we should put one on. A love conference. We have healing conferences. We have uh, uh, gifts conferences. We have prophesying conferences. We have how to run a good business conference. All those things. I don't see a lot of love conferences. And yet, this is the culmination of the mature Christian life. I spent a little bit of time this morning going over a few things that covered in the last couple of weeks. That happens when you're having a series. You've got to go back over a few key points. By the end of the series, basically, you just say, okay, just rewind, listen to last week's sermon, because the whole of it was just a revision. And then I want to touch on the benefits of love, because uh, love is God's I'm going to say secret key because it's largely unknown and unexplored. Love is God's key to success. Yeah, Walk, knowing his love and walking in love is God's key to a successful Christian life. So what is love? We touched last week on what is love and I read from a, uh, a wonderful definition of it, but uh, I gave really this definition. Love is the exercise of the nature of the will of God. Love is the exercise or the outworking of the nature of the will of God. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. The definition of love is something really that I was, uh, um, I was chatting uh, yesterday about, uh, like I'm a romantic comedy freak, you know, and uh, have I told you that? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm just a girl standing in front of a man. Asking him to love me. Oh, thank you, boy. <laughs> All right. And a lot of those, those movies are about what is love. The big questions being asked in that is what is love? So you've got Sleepless in Seattle. You've got Tom Hanks, and he's really wondering what is love because he's had love, and he wonders, is this is real? And then you've got Meg Ryan, whose her hair is blowing back like that, and she's, she's got no idea. Who knows Meg Ryan, Sleepless in Seattle? She's in for a rude shock. Like, really, I'm sorry to spoil it. She will. She'll, she'll wake up in the morning to the bad breath and the dirty socks that, are, that have missed, somehow missed the linen basket. Linda wonders how I can throw my, my socks into the laundry and consistently miss the linen. <laughs> and it's only really when you solve that mystery that you start to work out what love is. But the God kind of love, agape, the highest form of love, it's a word which really they, they absconded, abducted, and they used it for Christians' purposes. The Holy Spirit used it like charis, like grace. Agape is the highest form of love. And what it means is, it's the exercise of the nature and will of God made without any assignable cause. There's nothing that can trigger his love for you. You can't earn it. You can't lose it. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you've done to make him love you less. In fact, he made that very clear in Deuteronomy to the children of Israel as they came out. I didn't love you because you were good looking. I didn't love you because you were the biggest nation. I didn't even love you because you obeyed the law. You had one thing to do. Trust me. I didn't, you failed at that. I loved you because I chose to love you. And so his love for us is, 
without assignable cause, we can't make him love him more, us more, and we cannot make him love less. And it always seeks the welfare of the object of that love. It always tries to prevent harm, to cover sin, to cover the effects of sin, the Bible says, and to bring blessing, always seeks the goodness of the others. Now you wonder, that that is a high standard. It is a high standard. And Jesus says, this is the new commandment which I give to you, that you love one another as I has, have loved you. How are we going to manage that? We couldn't even uh, keep all the other commandments. How are we going to manage that? But this is the new commandment. Notice that it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. We are told, uh, and, and when we think of that, one, we have to do it. We have to live in it. Not to earn his favor. Everything God asks us to do is for our benefit. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. The benefits, the reasons, the good things for us that come to us when we receive his love and walk in his love. But it's not a suggestion. Well, then if we couldn't keep all the other commandments, how are we going to keep this commandment? Well, God did a wonderful thing in the new creation. In uh, Hebrews chapter 8, he says, I will write my laws in their heart. I'll put them on their mind. I'll put them on the heart. No more will they have to say to go here. And in, Romans, in Romans it talks about climb up this mountain to find him. In Hebrews it says you won't be saying how do I love? You'll know it. It's in your heart. And the reason it's in your heart, Romans 5, 5, 5, 8 says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So when we are born again, we, we are receptacles to the nature of God. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is poured into our heart, overflowing, and with that comes the nature of God, which is love. And so he didn't write the 568, 823, or whatever number. Has anyone counted them lately? The laws, he didn't write that, he put love in our hearts. He shared it abroad in our hearts so that we can love. And like anything else God has done, it's action activated. It's faith and action activated. I remember when these, um, you know, these, you go to the airport and these you fang dangle, you know, so you don't touch anything. These taps came out with, with, and there's the tap and there's no, there's the spout but no tap. You've seen those ones? Did anyone make a fool of themselves in the bathroom the first time you saw that? Look at that tap. <laughs> All right, there's the tap. There's something to stand on. There's something, you know. And then standing there pacing up and down in the Brisbane airport. What do I do? I can't go outside without washing my hands. I can't do that. And then some guy comes in. He's looking at me pacing up and down. And then he goes up like this and he puts his hand under it. And out comes the water. Love is faith activated. You do it and God backs you. You'd be, su you'd be surprised try, when you start to do it, you start to learn it. God fills you. It comes out. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, the first one. It starts to come out. 
pastor I knew, we grew up under, he talked about a, a meeting he had, he's teaching this, and the pastor's wife said to him afterwards, he said, you've got me confused. And he said to her, you, you, I didn't get you confused, you were confused before the service. She said, she said I hate my, grand, my, my mother-in-law. He said, well, you're a murderer then, the Bible says, whoever hates her is a murderer. He said that to shock her. And then he said to her this, he said, do this. Say, I hate my mother-in-law. Say it a few times and listen down on the inside of you. So she said, I hate my mother-in-law, I hate my mother-in-law. She said, oh. He said, why did you go like that? He said, there's a little scratching down there. He said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit shed abroad in your heart. That's the love of God. He said, now act on it. So the next week, they, she invited them round to their house. And a couple of weeks later, he said, I don't hate my mother-in-law anymore. Love is faith activated. You act on it. God backs it. It comes out. And it's, thank you, Mel. Good, praise God. Thank you. You can, you can get another cookie. <laughs> faith is all, it's not, uh, love is not knowledge. You can know about it, but you have to do it. Okay? And when you start to do it, God backs you in it. Still on the introduction. We're good for a two-hour service? <laughs> it's, it's, God backs you in it. Uh, can anyone remember when they learned how to drive? Nowadays, they've got, to, they've got to go through so much. They've got to drive for 100 hours. I won't tell you how my son got his 100 hours up. There was a few miraculous, maybe I will. <laughs> a few miraculous trips to Rockhampton. <laughs> and granny signs off on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, I got my drive, when I got my motorbike license, I was in Armadale. I had this little Yamaha... DT100, and um, I'm saying this because those of you who are young who don't have your driver's license yet, Tiff, <laughs> you've got to read the book, you've got to do all those things, and you've got to, like, and we, we learnt the hard way, didn't we, guys? We learnt the hard way. We fell over, we got up, we brushed ourselves off, we kept going. <laughs> I had earned this bike. There was the guy who was uh, in, on, the, on the Armadale uh, Council, he, he, he was soon after that, he became mayor of Armadale, and he said, if you paint my house, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you this motorbike. So I painted his house, and what he didn't know is the undercoat said Jesus. And it was one of the main roads uh, in Armadale, in huge letters, like six, eight foot high, Jesus. And that was the prime. And, and so from then after, for years over, the white coat goes over the top of it, but at certain times of the day... From certain angles on the mayor's house is the word Jesus. Nevertheless, that's got nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> Except I took this motorbike down to Armadale Police Station and I, I, I walked in and I said, I, I'd, I'd like uh, my, uh, my motorbike license. He said, did you drive here? Did you ride here? I said, yes. So he said, ride around the block. So I rode around the block and I got halfway around. They weren't going to be seen and I got all the way back, came back. And I thought I might have missed them. I just, I rode in. I said, I, I didn't see you. He said, here's your license. But love, we can know about it. We can believe it. But we've got to walk in it. We've got to act on it. So what does love look like? And 1 Corinthians 13, are you there yet? All that was so you could turn to there. 1 Corinthians 13, we know as the love chapter. It's said in most uh, weddings, if you've ever got it in an amplified version, it's worth going over and over and over and over again. He says this. So this is what love, this, this is what love looks like, okay? Uh, like Hebrews 11.1, 1, 
faith is assurance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith looks like. Faith is a belief. Love is the conviction that you have for the goodwill of someone else. And this is what it looks like. If I speak with the tongues of men of angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We learnt last week that there was religious people walking around Ephesus and the cities in those times banging their bangs and really there was no substance to what they were teaching or living. He says that's what you're like. Even if you're prophesying and speaking in tongues and that you do not have love, you're just a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. I will amount to nothing. In the end, there'll be nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor, I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it will profit me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. A lot of us have patience, but we're not necessarily kind with it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act rudely or unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account or does not weigh up or does not hold on the ledger sheet of other people the things they have done wrong. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. It rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It's willing to believe all things. It hopes all things. It will endure all things. It never fails. Prophecy will be done away with. Tongues will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. We know in part. We prophesy in part. When the perfect comes, all those things will be done away with. I was listening to a minister just the other day talking about his father died far too early and it upset him. His father had given his life to the Lord. He was a Christian. And, um, but he had a vision and uh, he's, not, he's not spooky. He said, I, I had a vision. I went to heaven. And, uh, and there was this majestic place. And I knew he was in there somewhere. Because it was concerning to him that his father never knew how much he loved him. He said, I, and I found him. I found my father. And we embraced each other. He said, and we just knew. He knew how much I loved him. I knew how much he loved me. We just knew. And when it's all said and done and all the things we think we're smart and clever about and all the things we did, love will be the thing that remains. Heaven will be liquid. I remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I remember... Honestly, like I, I had knowledge, I, but I was like a dried up old biscuit. And you, you try witnessing to people with a dried up old biscuit. Would you like some of this? It's good for you. <laughs> I know you can't eat it. You've got to soak it in water for five days. You can cook with it. You throw three river stones in a boiling pot, follow, throw this biscuit in there, boil it for three days, get rid of the biscuit and eat the stones. 
And a lot of that, you know, that, that worksy. And then it was, I, I remember the hall, the AOG hall in Armadale and hands up, it was like liquid love poured over me and I can remember my friends who were used to this dried up old biscuit and all of a sudden I loved them. It wasn't about me, it was about them. They said, what's happened to you? The love of God shed abroad in your heart. Well, there's benefits. There's benefits to love. And we're going to look at some, we're going to look at three of them. One is uh, love will profit us. That means that the little steps of faith that we do and we action, they will reap back to us in abundance. Secondly, love brings joy. And thirdly, love brings victory. So in 1 Corinthians 13, I want you to notice this verse 2. It says, if I, ha I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, uh, and if I have all faith and I've even moved mountains, but I do not have love, love I am nothing. In verse 3, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, all those wonderful religious things, but if I'm not doing it in love, God's love for me, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. We're able to love. He said there is no profit in there. Now look at that. Because there's a lot of things I know that we do, be honest, we do for worldly gain or for the attention of others for, for reasons other than that person's benefit. Like we like to bless them, but we just like a little bit of attention to ourselves. You know what I mean? So God bless you and a little bit for me. Remember an old preacher from C3 Christian City used to say, oh, glory to God, and a little bit for me. But Jesus said, if you do it for that reason, you've received your reward. I love our helpers here. Every week I'm thankful for them. You don't know, I'd embarrass you. One was here this morning earlier than usual. Lives an hour away. Apologize for not putting the signs up. <laughs> you know, he's here in love. Someone who I won't name, but she's sitting over there. We'll go and visit a family in Toowoomba and we'll leave in the wee hours of the morning to get here. What? For you. That's love. I didn't even... I said, I thought you were in Toowoomba. Yeah, I got here to be 8 o'clock. That's love. That is love in action. Love lays down its life for somebody else. And we sit here and we enjoy good music. How did it happen? They practiced. They did that. That's love. That's what love looks like. Love serves. And that kind of love brings profit. Brings profit. Godliness, the Bible says, is profitable in this life and for eternity. And the blessings that can flow for you because you lay down your life. Love brings profit. Knowledge puffs up. If we know about it and don't do it, we get all puffed up and prideful. And they're like those, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to the gym, those muscle builders. And I know I often get misplaced for a muscle builder. Sometimes I think, you've been, doing my, you've been working out, Pastor Grant. But those ones like that, you know, they can't pick up anything. They're just puffed up. Or like, you know, those uh, muscle outfits that are inflatable. 
You know, they bounce around. They're all these muscles, they're inflatable. That's for someone who knows about the love of God and doesn't act on it. They're puffed up. They're prideful, doing things for attention. That's what the word means. In fact, I heard this story about an inflatable school. Has anyone heard about the inflatable school that they had in England? They designed an inflatable school, you know, a pump-up inflatable school. We've got an inflatable basket, uh, castle down there. One day the kids will get out. It was an inflatable school. And it was really for people who identify as being inflatable. You know, some people identify as all sorts of things. Other people identify as being inflatable. And one day this very naughty kid, very naughty kid, brought a pin to school. And he went to the science department and went, went to the maths department, went all the subjects he didn't like, swish it down. And eventually he went, and he went, sound like this. The principal dragged him in and said, Johnny, do you realize you've let me down, you've let the school down, you've let the whole thing down? <laughs> well, works without love, guys. It's, going to, it's all going to fade out. But love is profitable. And we think, we think laying down our life, it costs us, it has benefits. It's profitable. Second thing is love brings joy. Love brings joy. The devil has lied to us. The devil has told us if I lay down my life, it's going to cost me. What about me? What about myself? I've got to look after myself. And I believe in you know, your quiet times and doing all the things, keeping your faith work and love life. But when you live for yourself, you don't have joy. John 15, Jesus said this. Turn to John 15. John 15, 7 to 11. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and show prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, so your joy may be full. That's telling me, guys, that there's little bits of joy out there that we can live in, but not fullness of joy unless we're abiding in his love. And that fullness of joy, C.S. Lewis says, the language of heaven is joy. And joy is that that knowledge, even feeling of love, peace, satisfaction, fulfillment in the spite of whatever comes our way. And the joy that the world has, it's passing. I've learned that a little bit. You know, I used to follow the Wallabies and South Africans amongst us and Kiwis amongst us. You know how lacking in joy that is. But his joy is everlasting. And it comes from walking in love. He said, you will have my joy if you walk in love. Matthew 16, Jesus said, if you lay down your life, you get it. If you take it up and live for yourself, you will lose it. He has promised joy. 
in living for others. The true satisfaction in life is in living for others. And they, they know this. The, 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 the psychologists and studies know this. Do you know, I was reading, uh, just recently, I was reading a study on the, from the Journal of Human Nature. You've all got that by your coffee table on your coffee table. The, the natural human nature. No, I just Googled it, looked it up. And they've done a study of happiness and wealth. And in the States, uh, the, uh, once people get over a certain level of wealth, their level of happiness decreases. And in the States, it's about $95,000 US, just all other things being equal. The higher over that amount, the less happy they are, the less joy they have in their life. And different cultures, it's different. It, it's just dependent on the culture. In Fiji, you'd be down here, and you know, some, but in Australia, it's a bit less. But the fact of the matter is, the world's things don't bring us life. They don't bring us joy. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And they're all going to be added to you, but with joy. So the second thing we have, we live the life of love. We walk in love. We purpose to walk in love. It's, it's a command. It's a decision. I will walk in love. We have this saying, you know, how was your day? Well, there's plenty of opportunities to walk in love today. <laughs> plenty of opportunities to say, I'm going to walk in love. Put the flesh down. Walk in love. Say no to self-righteousness. Speak good things. Act on, you know, there's joy in that. There's fulfillment in that. There's profit in that. But the last thing, or the third thing, there's many things, many, many things. Just now. The third thing is victory. And we think we get victory in life, just the natural man says, the harder I work, the more I try, the more victory I will get. But the Bible says victory comes through walking in love. That's when God goes to walk on your behalf. All right? 1 John 4 says, there is no fear in the perfect love of God. The love of God casts out all fear. Who knows that it takes a lot to impress God. There's not many things that God is scared of. Probably none. Definitely none. And when we know God and we walk in love, you know, once you've seen the love of God and known the love of God, there's not a lot that impresses you. It takes a lot to impress you. When you know and think of what he did for you, and how he loves you, it's going to take a lot to impress you. It's going to take a lot to make you scared. There's a little video meme going around of this little uh, bear cub. And it's sort of lost, in the, lost in, the, in the, it's North America somewhere. And wandering around lost and a cougar has, is stalking it. And so the bear cub's running away from the cougar. The cougar's stalking it. And the bear cub gets backed up against a creek like this. And the bear cub is terrified. Eventually the bear cub goes up and goes, and this huge comes out and the cougar runs away. And the bear cub thinks, that's pretty impressive. Turns around, behind him is mama bear. <laughs> mama bear, don't you, don't you mess with my bear cub. Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear, fear 
requires condemnation, requires judgment, and God does not condemn you. God backs you. He always wants the best for you. You can come to him. Nothing you've done makes him love you less. Now, he might not be happy with some of the things you've done, but he doesn't stop loving you. And he's always there for you. Perfect love casts out all fear. It says 1 Corinthians 13, 8. It says, love never fails. Love never gives up. It never fails. Love provides for us the energy, the desire, the strength to stand when everything else has fallen around us, to know his love, to know that he backs us. Love never fails. But I like, I like how the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle Paul, and we'll finish in this. Turn me to Romans chapter 8. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't use that, that, that bear image, you know. Didn't even use the inflatable image. I thought that was a pretty good one. <laughs> but this is what the Holy Spirit says about the victory that we have through the love of God. Romans chapter 8. You guys got a song to sing? Good. She always looks at me. Pastor Grant, leave it up to me. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit says this in Romans chapter 8. Verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? You know, the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and not just the brethren. He'll accuse you to you. He'll ac and if there's a voice of accusation coming against you, that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. Who will bring a charge against God elect? Who's the one who condemns? Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised and sitting at the right hand of God. He intercedes for us. Do you know right now, Jesus is representing you to the Father as we speak. Right now. He intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of God? Will tribulation? No. Will distress? Nope. Can persecution? No. Can famine? No. Can nakedness, peril, or the sword? No. For just as it's written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were being considered as sheep to the slaughter. That's Jesus. But in all these things, whatever comes against our way, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, that's spiritual forces of darkness, principalities, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, we are able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the love of God is shed in our, abroad in our heart. We thank you that we have this love. It's written in our heart for your great love for us. And Father, this week, this week we commit to walk in that love, to step out in faith and love when it hurts, to love when people offend us, not to take account things done wrong against us, but to walk in your love. And Father, we thank you for the joy, the peace. We thank you for the prophet. 
And we thank you for the victory that comes with that. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all the people said, praise God.